You're listening to Strictly Business Podcast with Lindsay Williams. It's Monday, so it's Shapiro World with David Shapiro from Sassman Securities in Johannesburg. And David, I was reading a tweet that our associate Greg Davies sent me, and it talked about you sending out a note that Macquarie is starting to cover discovery mm. and that there may be a 15 billion rand hole yeah. in the life account. And that, I suppose, explain nearly 9% down on Friday and at one stage 10, 11% mm. down this morning. Currently, as we yep. pre-record, down around about 7 to 7.5%. This is yet another example of a former high flyer doing terribly. And I just can't quite believe what I'm seeing when I look at my sharenet.co.za screen. Tell me about Discovery first. Well, well, you, you know, the problem is that um, when the NHR came, the National Health Insurance came out with a proposed bull, I think, on Thursday, the market fell and everybody attributed uh, the weakness that we saw in Discovery to this. But this is years away. This is discussions away. We haven't got the money. And I don't think anybody takes it seriously yet, even though there's some very tough talk coming out of politicians. So when you look at it, you say, well, that's not the reason. There must be something else that is driving the share price down. And I yes. couldn't get to anything. And circulating here at the moment, you know, one of our traders or chap who's got uh, contact in the market said, apparently Macquarie, and we deal with Macquarie. We, when I say we deal with them, we have a research arrangement with them, and we're having a presentation on Wednesday by a new analyst. Um, I'm not sure of her name. She's she's probably you know she's new at Macquarie, and she's just uh, apparently the the story is that she's just initiated coverage and has been talking about uh, a big hole, so uh, in the in the Alaf account, meaning that you know that uh, they're stretching the valuation. So these are serious. When I say accusations, allegations, and I, I like to know, well, if she's done it, has she gone to the company with it? Has she addressed it with the company? Has she checked her report? But um, she would have done this presentation already to certain institutions. Yes. You know, once, once she comes to us, we're at the, we're at the bottom end of the, of the list. You know, we're the last to see these kind of reports. And I, and I understand that. You know, we, um, it's, it's, I, you know, as long as we get some kind of coverage. But, so I picked that up, and, and I like to search, well, has anybody seen it? You know, what is she saying? Is this reason why the shares have come down under this pressure? You know, is there relevance to this? Is there some kind of element of truth or people just being naughty and uh, saying, uh, you know, uh, acting on instincts and selling this thing down? So I'm trying to get to the bottom. I'm trying to see the report to see what she says and whether there's a specter of, you know, any... Uh, uh, just uh, some kind of truth to this. Okay, let's stay with Macquarie for a moment before we get to NHI, because I need you to explain to the layman as well what NHI would mean, even if in years to come it does arrive, and why the market is slightly spooked by it. But have the, 10, the 15 billion hole in the life account, does that mean that they're paying out more than they're receiving? Does it mean there's lots of redemptions? What does it mean? In that's in the future, that's right. In other words, Meaning, and this is my interpretation, if they continue like this, they've been selling life insurance very cheaply. That means that their liabilities are 15 billion more than the funds that they will receive or the uh, on the life account. In other words, yes. do you understand? Yeah, I'm trying to explain in very simple terms. I'm not a actuary. I don't know life insurance that much, but I would mean means that there will be a, a liability. We often see this in pension funds. You know, you see what you call a hole where you've underprovided for 
pensions, you know, and it becomes, it's like a Ponzi scheme. You can keep going because you're getting money in, but eventually down the line, your liabilities will swamp uh, the money coming in and the assets that you have against those kind of liabilities. So you've got to cover those liabilities uh, very well. And that's what she's uh, alluding to, that they've, they've misread it. We saw a little bit of a hint of it in their last set of results where they said, they had miscalculated, uh, you know, the life account, and uh, that caused uh, some kind of losses. So she's probably working on this and extended it a lot and extended it. Okay, NHI now. Mm. What are the implications of the national health insurance scheme that's been mooted for so many years now? Does it mean that doctors therefore have to work for the scheme? Government makes them work for them, if you see what I mean, or does it simply mean that there is competition to the private healthcare sector and the private insurance sector? No, it's more than that. I think it's more than that. I think under this scheme, and I, 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 I'm paraphrasing or trying to give you my interpretation, mm. it really means that you know there's like primary health and you can only go to another scheme for issues that are not covered by uh, your, this primary health or this basic health scheme, which is run by the government. So we don't have the doctors essence, and the skills for that, though. No, we don't have the don't facilities. So it's, it's all pie in the sky. This is totally. It's fantasy. It's just total, total fantasy. But w- in other words, what they want to do is to raise cash, which they can only do by taxing you more. So they're going to tax you over and above what you pay to your medical aids, although your medical aids will probably come down because you're not going to be covered on uh, what you're covered at the moment. So uh, they're going to get more taxes with those taxes. They're going to improve the hospitals. They're going to get more doctors. And they're going to give every single person in South Africa access to to, to, uh, hospital facilities or to doctors. Which is a so good thing in gonna, principle, but it's well, going to stretch the infrastructure to its limit. Well, you've got, you've got how many taxpayers? Maybe 17 million taxpayers. Uh, not even. I don't even think it gets close to that. Having to um, subsidize or fund 58 million residents. Yes. So you can't do that. Or you've got businesses. You just can't do that. Uh, we're not an economy that can cover that. In other countries where there's 4 or 5%, yes, you can have national health insurance, as in the UK where you've got 5% unemployment and so on. And it's a rich country, but uh, you can't do it in a country like this. It's just absolute fantasy. And if anything, you're going to, you know, if doctors are going to be employed by the state and uh, the state hasn't got that much money, of course they're going to seek uh, jobs elsewhere and, and so on. So the whole standard of medicine will fall with it. But you can't talk to politicians, you know. Everything is done um, Everything is done around a table in the, very, in the comfort of some very comfortable go- you know, uh, offices with plush carpets and, and tea and canteens and, you know, everything else that comes, in, you know, comes in corporate life. It's, almost, so like I mean, a, it's almost like a gentleman, when I say gentleman's club, I mean the sort of theory or atmosphere of a gentleman's club. It's almost like a closed shop when it comes to decision making. You've got the top six and they sit around and they decide for the 50, 60 million people. Well, that's exactly. But I, you know, it it it's impossible. It just the equation just doesn't work. You know, it just it's it's impossible to to actually implement anything like that at the moment. And I'm not taking away medicine from the you know from the poor. Not at all. We all want something, but you need an economy. First of all, you've got a 400 billion hole in Eskom. 
you know, which you have to fill before you even start to think about national health. And, and uh, so there's so many things on the agenda that we're not addressing. And that's why you can't take it seriously at this stage. You know, you can take their intent seriously, but you yeah. can't really, you can't believe that the funds are going to be available for this to happen. And, uh, and therefore, that's why I'm saying uh, at this point, it's, um, it's, you're dreaming if you think it's going to hurt people like Discovery. And that. So therefore, there are other issues that you must look at. There must be something else as well. It's quarter past 10 past four, and I've got a 15-minute delayed screen. I'm looking at the worst performers on the JSC today, according to yeah. ShareNet, Aspen. Down eight and two thirds yeah. percent. Discovery yeah. down seven and a half percent. Discem down five point five percent. There was another one as well in that field. It's just been knocked off, but it was also down around about four uh, percent. But three of the top five: Aspen, Discovery, Discem. It's not difficult to um, assess the theme there. Exactly. It's all to do with medicines Medical. and healthcare. You've got net care at a fifty-two week low as well, That's which is one. down four over four percent as well. Yeah. So there is a theme. Um, I'm sure that short sellers are taking advantage and um, and having a field day by pushing these down. So there is some element of um, you know association, uh, you know, with that. So yeah, and and with that also you've got African Rainbow Capital, which are closely linked to um, you know to Sunlum. I mean to to the financial services sector. Yeah. Um, and along the way, you're going to have all the you're going to have if if you impose something like the NHI, it's going to hurt consumer uh, consumer spending because this once you get taxed more, you haven't got enough. You know, uh, you haven't got money to spend on on consumption. Your your disposable income comes down. So I mean, it just weakens the entire economy. So it's a yeah, it's 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 a worrying thought. It's. It's a very, very worrying thought, uh, um, you know, where this is going. And and the problem is sometimes government needs to step up. You, know? you need them. We, we, we haven't got that. You know, we haven't got a government that's actually addressing the issues and addressing them urgently. We're talking about them and uh, we hint at them, but, but there's been no action. And, and it's, it, it, it's hammering this market. It's... So when I say it's depressing, it's very difficult to be here at the moment because uh, a lot of your clients are invested in the market and have their pension funds and provident funds and, in fact, have saved their entire wealth and you suddenly see it being you know, taken apart by uh, you know, by the market performance. This is not going to be good for the asset management industry because these are some stocks no. that are no. widely, mm. widely held. Mm. I mean, we don't have a big universe mm. of big stocks on the JSC no. Securities Exchange. Uh, these are widely held stocks. And the, the latest update on my screen, 9.2% down now for Aspen, 7.25% down for Discovery, Netcare coming in at 4.25% weaker, and it goes on. Do you think, though, David, mm. that in the past... We actually shouldn't be shocked by this because in the past they were simply too high, they were too profitable, they were too protected, mm. and they were too pampered, mm. and therefore we all fell for it. And this is just coming back to equilibrium or maybe slightly below the equilibrium line. Is there, is there a chance that that might you, you, also be a factor? Definitely. Absolutely right. We've been saying this for some time about uh, the retail sector. You know, we have an economy that's hardly growing or is growing uh, below the, the mean, below the global mean. Um, and, and you have multiples PEs at uh, you know, double digits. We're growing at single digits, and you have uh, uh, PEs at high, you know, high double digits. Then there's got to be a you know, something's got to give. And I think finally the market's given. Uh, there's a, there was a lot of cash that has been building up 
um, pension fund contributions and natural savings that come into the hands of the financial services industry. But even them, you know, even them have to start, uh, those financial institutions have to start pulling back and saying, hold on a sec, uh, interest rates are high, 9%, whatever it is, I'm much safer putting my money into bonds and just seeing where this all leads. And 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 that's what's happened. I think uh, I, there is a kind of capitulation that we've seen. Um, I can't keep up with it. You know, when I say I can't keep up with it, the number of companies that have lost 20, 25%, 30% is just staggering. And L- Lindsay, you know, I, what I'm trying to illustrate is that, and, and I've been here a long time, you know, it's always an up and down journey. And in the bad times where we've had um, markets collapsing, 87, back in 69 and various places, you know, these these are the kind of uh, these are the kind of falls that we saw. In fact, in in these cases, they're even more than that. Where we've been masked is that because the rand has given way, it's actually like a circuit breaker. We've seen uh, the mining stocks and we've seen our international stocks kind of covering up for that, and they're very large businesses. So you get a view that the you know that the index itself is holding up, but below that has been calamitous. Um, you know, I'm just looking at some of these year-to-date uh, falls, you know, Robose, uh, I don't know, these made into 70% down. Okay, it's not one of ours. Omnia, 60%, you know, and so we go. These are big, big falls. MassMart, MassMart down 60%. ELH down 50%. You know, SAPI down 42%. Aspen, 42%. This is just the year. This is just this year. Yeah. If I go back the full year, it's even more than that. So you've virtually destroyed the value. Now, you might say that a person who was worth a billion is now worth, you know, uh, 300 million. Oh, he can still live on that. That's true. <laughs> you know, he can still live well. But, I mean, it's it's completely destroyed confidence and, uh, you know, uh, um, family wealth or, um, you know, investment wealth. I, I, for me, it's I'm just shattered. You know, I'm shattered by what I've seen. You sent me when I when I asked you, can we speak in our usual time? I I sent David Shapiro and my normal WhatsApp. Okay, see you at four o'clock, and I had to had to come on a little bit earlier because I wanted (laughs) to extend it. And he said. I am fed up with being battered with a triple exclamation mark afterwards, and I've never seen you use an exclamation mark before. You you know why? Because I I've I've been asking, I've been urging people to invest abroad. You know, for for simple reason, no, not politics. Um, in an economy that's hardly growing, you're going to get this kind of fallout. An economy that's not really a modern economy. We've still been lifted by old-fashioned businesses, and you know, and then commodity markets are meaning. And those commodity markets can be very difficult, and uh, because they're volatile, you can find the iron ore price at 120 one day and the next day it's where it is today at 84 or 85 you know around about there Mm -hmm. so it does have some it it can be very volatile and i've been urging uh, people to take the money offshore to protect it by investing in in kind of more modern type uh economic stocks or uh, economy stocks so i've been doing that but we still have a residue of investors who are forced to stay in south africa through regulation 28 uh, which is the uh, those rules that govern pension and provident funds um, and tunics and RAs as well. So, and in those cases, it's been it's also been very very hard for them because we still have exposure to the markets here, and we've tried as best to cover them. 
but we but our performance and I'm talking our I'm talking generally, not specifically my performance. The performance of the JSC has been sideways for so long. And then suddenly people are now waking up and saying, you know, I've done nothing on the JSC. I've been in there for five years, I've done nothing. And the answer is, well, you're not surprised. This economy hasn't grown. But um uh this these are Lindsay, why I'm frustrated or why you get better is that these are the savings that people have put aside for their retirement and and that's where the problem lies it's not giving them the kind of returns that everybody projected you know who've looked backwards to try and project in the past and that's where we've kind of let down this industry has kind of let down its customers and its clients not a pretty domestic picture at all. It's like that film with George Clooney, you know, the film where he was living in a fishing village somewhere in uh, North America, Canada or something, and he went out in order to go and get the uh, the ultimate catch because he hadn't had a particularly good season, right. whatever the storyline was. And he got everything. Everything conspired against him. And it seems as though everything might conspire against yeah. JSC mm. investors. Because that was called The Perfect Storm. The Perfect mm. Storm, exactly right. Yeah, mm. It was quite a good film. I actually met the author, who was a wonderful chap. He was oh, yeah. an ex-veteran, yeah. The perfect storm, yeah. And that's exactly what we've been hit by. Precisely. This, uh, Mr. Trump, in his wisdom, he's losing his marbles more and more every day. And in fact, there was somebody, <laughs> I mean, Liston Mainchie said to me, our friend Liston said to me last week, he says, you've got to call in to question his sanity. And the same thing yeah. was on CNN. I know CNN is a Trump bashing mm. media outlet, but on mm. the other hand, they said he's starting to now really display the signs of insanity. He suddenly mm. said when everything's going badly in Southeast Asia and beyond to China, Trump says he's not ready to do a deal with China. No, no. Why do you need to say that? Why do you say, I am ready to do a deal and we are going to talk about it. He says, no, I'm not ready to do it. Why does he say that? Why does he say I, that I, the Clintons I, I, were involved in Epstein's suicide? No, no. He's, he's, he's completely lost. It's I, totally irresponsible. Do you, know, do you know there's a very interesting article that I, I, I tweeted it that my daughter sent me from a magazine called The Atlantic. Okay. Now, The Atlantic is a, politi- it's a, it's a, it's, it's a political magazine. I mean, not taking any side, but very highly respected uh, magazine in the United States. I don't, I ha- you could probably get it on the internet if you subscribe. But um, in an article, they explained his populist-type rhetoric. And they give you background to what rhetoric is. And, and, and there's one quote that I liked. He says, he liked, when people listen to him, when his followers listen to him, they want red meat. In other words, he throws him red meat like a hungry lion, you know, because yes. they love to, that, you know, they love the way that he talks. And they love, and he constantly brings up these issues like, you know, the Mexicans being rapists and crossing the border and attacking the border. So he builds up that kind of view, which when he brings it up, gets a response from the crowd. And this is populist type rhetoric. And that's who he is. And that's the danger of of of, of Trump. And the Democrats have got no answer for it at all. No, they're still too polite. And he goes around the country inciting this kind of mood. And uh it's it's dangerous. Now what's what's into what we're where Liston comes in and what's interested, he he starts a trade war. What does a trade war do? A trade war weakens your neighbor, weakens your trading partners. Right. When you weaken a trading partner, means lower profits, um, which obviously weakens a currency. Um, it also leads to the central banks there now because the economy is weakened, having to lower rates. 
So all of that strengthens the dollar because the, the U.S. Is, is stronger, but it weakens your dollar. So you're not manipulating your currency. Sorry, it, it, it weakens your currency. You're not manipulating it. That's a natural reaction or response to a trade war. And that's what's happening to America's trading partners, whether it's in Europe, whether it's in China, wherever it is. They will be weakened by a trade war. So how can you want your, how can you not expect the dollar to go stronger? And how can you then want a weaker dollar? You're not, you know what I'm getting at. You yeah. can't, you can't have that. You can't so have the what best do you of want? both worlds, exactly. You can't have the best of all those worlds. You know, and, and that, that, so you can't, and also you can't have a thriving economy. You can't have a thriving economy if you're weakening the global economy, because even though you're uh, 25% of the global economy, there's 75% out there that's getting weaker. So all of this adds up to, uh, you know, is, is is bringing him down. It will bring the U.S. economy, or sorry, global economy, and then the U.S. economy down. So you're saying, well, what is your end game? What are you trying to achieve? Exactly. Populism or just, uh, re, you know, re-election. If this is the cost of re-election, well, then God help America. Well, it's spreading the populist doctrine as well, because people are picking mm. it up, and suddenly they're just below the radar. And because there's so mm. much else going on, we've got South Korea and Japan suddenly mm. at loggerheads as well. Two massive, massive, important trading economies. Mm. They're suddenly, they've just taken each other off the list of uh, favoured trading partners, which, yeah. which I think is incredibly significant. I mean, South Korea and Japan together are a significant part of the world mm -hmm. economy. Mm -hmm. uh, and then the other thing is, 11th, we're into our 11th week of problems in Hong Kong. And yeah. one of the busiest airports in the world, it's a tourism hub, it's um, a financial services hub, and it's also a very important airport for transit passengers. It's closed down for the day. Mm. And yeah. there are tens of thousands of people on the streets every single day. This is, to me, again, incredibly significant, sentiment-wise. Very, very, very much so. We don't know where this is leading to as well. And China has to tread very carefully because it's still an important part of the Chinese economy. And it's uh, uh, even for Chinese companies, it's an important uh, uh, financial area. So you can't afford... Uh, you can't afford pressure on the Hong Kong economy. From from um, it's also a very important consumer area. Yes. So it's it's tense, you know. And yes, there might be certain faction of violence that they can they can overcome. But it's all adding up to worries that we've got about the global economy. And you forgot there's still tensions in Italy as well. And you've still got uh, Argentina. I know Argentina is not a big part of the global economy, but there have been uh, a lot of problems there as well with the president now losing what is a primary uh, a primary vote. Now, I don't know what the primary vote means. I mean, if, if, he's, if he doesn't win the primary vote, probably that means he can't stand for election. Um, so the, Argent, the, the peso there is down about 15%. It might be one of the reasons that, that the RAND has taken such a, you know, such a hit today um, as emerging market currencies come under pressure. So we're about 1540, which is 1537, 1538 against the dollar, which is also uh, not where we want to be. No, it's not. Uh, the gold price was this morning 1490 mm. when I spoke to Greg Davies at Top Us Nine. It's now 1506, 1507. The fear gauge uh, continues to show people's attitude towards uh, geopolitics and the economy. And it's, you know, as I say, David, the perfect storm. Let's have a quick look at mm. something more positive and have a look at the upside today. And it's been cushioned by, or rather influenced by the RAND when you have a look at the 
top five movers on the JSC. Yeah. Let's have a look now. It was Sappy, I think, earlier on. I've got Sappy up 12%. Goldfields, Harmony, Sibania, Angler Gold, every single one a commodity producer, every single one mm, in mm, a certain mm, way geared to mm, the rand. Mm, mm. Well, uh, gold shares have become very popular now. And I think that's a global play. That's not only... Uh, uh, got, you know, a global, uh, sorry, gold companies globally are benefiting from the move that we've seen in the gold price um, and also locally the rand, although we don't mind that much. Goldfields does, you know, oh, Goldfields has just got South Deep here. So I think this is, this is more to do with moves that we're seeing in international markets, but it is helping us and it's steadying the markets. The, the only against that, though, and, and I haven't seen much fallout in our stocks is that the iron ore price seems to be under a lot of pressure. Um, And and although I see BHP is holding its own, that might be on translation here, but Glencore Anglo is down a bit, down a bit, um, Kumba holding its own. So I'm not sure where that, whether that price stable, steadied or not, whether this is just the Rand effect kind of cushioning the impact, but that that's the only positive side. Sappy, Sappy is probably coming from a very oversold position, you know, it's been a, oh, sorry, excuse. <coughs> Bless you. Sorry about that. <laughs> I couldn't hold it off. Just uh, Sappy is down, I mean, over the last uh, 12 months, down 50% of it this year alone, 40%. So I think the bounce is from a very, very oversold position. <sighs> You sound a little, I mean, you're always very chipper when we speak, but you sound, uh, from the communications you send, and from the beginning of this yeah. conversation, you, you sound a little bit depleted. You sound a little bit despondent, it, it, a little bit. Uh, you, you know why? Because this is politicians. You know, you know what I mean? This is not economic cycles. And this is, you call it a perfect storm. It is a perfect storm of politicians interfering and and really for their own uh what's it's you know for for, for their own self-satisfaction or for their own uh, aims or um i'm getting a bit tongue-tied here but, uh, but know you know saying. what i mean it's, yeah. yeah and 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 when you look at america you say this could have been avoided you know we didn't have to go down this path you don't have to take America down this. You don't have to make America one of the hated, most hated nations in the world simply because you believe other people have been taking advantage um, of them. This is previous presidents, and this comes, you know, from the from the end of the Second World War, where America was the uh, you know uh, took over as the policeman of the world. But these things can be sorted out by negotiation, not by the kind of attitude that we're seeing with Trump. So you're getting that coming through this whole war with uh, with China. You know, we're not sure what the end game is. We're not sure what Trump's end game uh, in attacking China is like this. And he's not only attacking China, he's attacking everybody that was a so-called friend. So that's where the anger comes in, is that we can't read it, Lindsay. You know what I mean? I can't sit down here and go through a set of accounts and say, oh, this is a nice company, because you're having to deal with all these other issues, you know, around you and say, well, you know, it doesn't really matter until these things are sorted out. So I think that's that, that's what places us in this kind of position. And locally as well. When it comes to locally as well, there's no attempt to turn around the SA economy. It's more ideology. You know, it's, it's, it's all ideological uh, issues that are being addressed, which we can't afford. 
You know what I mean? I think what Mr. Trump is doing, and this doesn't apply to South African politicians, they've, they've been emboldened by their own ideology for a couple of decades now. But what Mr. Trump has done has emboldened other people to behave badly as well. Yes. I, think, I think that's what it is. That, and he's exactly. alienating the world's largest economy from everybody else. And they say to themselves, well, if he can do it, then we can do it. Exactly right. It doesn't. In fact, once you've taken, once the policeman of the world is not there, you can do what you like. You know, as you say, so that has emboldened other authoritarian governments to do what they like. Dead right, absolutely right. And the scary thing is, of course, that there isn't a democratic contender that you can say, I think he could take Trump on. Joe Biden over the weekend, Sleepy Joe, as President Trump calls him, Sleepy Joe Biden made gaffe after gaffe during speeches. He doesn't seem to be, and this is where I might, I might actually agree with Trump, and I can't believe I'm saying this, but he doesn't seem uh, uh, well enough prepared to even consider office. He, no, kept, no. he kept making no, personal errors about his previous life. I know, I know, I know. You know, listen, he's in his late 70s or mid 70s. I don't know why he chose to do this in, uh, in the uh, twilight. Well, so are you, and you're pretty area. sharp. <laughs> no, I wouldn't go. <laughs> but, but, you know, but he's not, I don't think he's the answer. You know, somebody, I, I don't like her, Elizabeth Warren, but she's a much tougher person, you know, who would not be um, bulldozed by, um, you know, by a Trump. But she's not the kind of person we want, you know. She just calls all the banks rigged. And she's also giving that, you know, she's giving that left-wing rhetoric as well, which has also started to annoy people, you know, where you're born a person and you can decide when you're five or six who you want to be, whether you want to be a male or a female or a half this and that, you know, oh, and you geez. say, hold on a sec. You know, I'm not, I'm not criticizing it. I'm just I saying, am. hold on a sec. I'm just saying, we've got Trump, you know. We've got to attack him. Let's. Do you, know, get real about do you know the interesting thing is today, and it suddenly dawned on me that maybe it might gain some momentum, is Steve Bannon, who is the, the ultra-right wing former mm. supporter or still supporter of, of Trump, but now a supporter of a right-wing global movement. He was on television yesterday, I think it was, or maybe in the early hours uh -huh. of this morning, and he said Michelle Obama is going to become a contender. She may be put forward as the candidate. And if she comes in, then goodness me, then Trump's got a problem. <laughs> that's, that's quite interesting. You know, because she's a tough lady. She's particularly smart. You know, very, very smart. And you need somebody who can say to him, listen, Donald, you know, you're a philanderer. <laughs> you're, a, you're not that clever. You think you're clever, but you're not that. You know, you've got to use the same kind of language against him. You tell lies all the time. You said this. This is not true. And you've got to look him in the eye when you say those kind of things, you know. And you've got to have that kind of personality. And unfortunately, there's nobody in the Democratic Party that has got the strength to stand up to, uh, to what he says. You know, for him to accuse this Epstein of going you know, to blame the Clintons, I mean, it's outrageous yeah. for a president of the United it's States. It's an impeachable offense, I'm sorry. It's an impeachable Yeah, I know, tweet. but no one's got the courage to, you know, everybody is so polite and so uh, uh, so respectful and that. But you need, you know, we need a street fighter to take him on. Thank goodness the football season started to take yeah. us away from this because what did we have? We had Friday night, we had Liverpool-Norwich. Yeah. I thought Liverpool, were, they looked okay. They didn't look champions material, I don't think. Norwich, obviously quite naive. It's their first game mm -hmm. back in the top league, the top flight for four years. And they could have had a couple of goals. Manchester City looked sublime, but mm. West Ham looked rubbish, that 5-0 thrashing. Yeah. Uh, Manchester United, I thought, were 
second best for about an hour of that game yesterday, yeah. despite the fact I they know. won four nil. Unfortunately, Chelsea I were know. unlucky to hit the bar yeah. in the post in the first half. It could have been completely different. But anyway, mm. fantastic entertainment. Oh, it is, and it's uh, what we've got to see the other sides coming through. Whether there's anybody outside the ones that we know that is uh, like last year, it was Wolves. Mm. You know, whether we can see um, anything coming through that that can topple these or at least give some of these top six clubs uh, a bit of a run. I, I Unfortunately, I couldn't even watch Arsenal. I had to do... Uh, you didn't miss much. I had to do something. I believe so. It was a really dreadful I game. Believe, was it just... Uh, I would have imagined that. Um, he play, He didn't play his top seam. I don't know how these new players are going to... Uh, you know how they're going to perform, whether they whether whether they are that good. I liked Spurs. Spurs looked good. Um, I, I Aston Villa just got tired after you know they and they started to make the kind of mistakes that that kids that the first lesson in soccer is clear your lines, get rid of the balls, yes. and they were caught in position in da- in very dangerous areas, which which just gave Spurs the uh, Spurs the uh, you know the comeback mm. anyway. But but they looked alright. But it's nice. I'm glad. I'm glad we've got something to talk about and take our mind off all this nonsense. Exactly. Thank you for all that <laughs> nonsense, David. That's David Shapiro <laughs> from Saspin, and that was Shapiro World. That podcast was proudly brought to you in association with sharenet.co.za. Visit strictlybusinesspodcast.com and subscribe to receive exclusive content straight to your inbox.